Tapes rolling. One, two. One, two, three, four, five. Words on new music. About to call Paul. Paul? Hey, how you doing? I am good. I'm good. Let me... You can hear me okay. Yeah, I can. You're a little hot, but that's on my end. I had this with JC last night, so let me readjust. Okay. Um, uh, it's the way I'm recording. Let's yeah. See, let's come down here. Because the way this is, like I'm connected to Skype, and if I try to record, you know, audio out on the computer that Skype's on, I won't have me because I'm canceled out. So what I have to do is my output out of a mixer on a separate send and run it into another mixer combined with your, you know, outbound audio and then yeah. mix them together. And then I feed that to a second computer. You're coming across, and I've noted this before, and I don't think there's anything I can do about it, but... It's Skype and, and uh, the internet. I think you're at times a little bit underwater. Like, how do I sound like that on your end? Like occasionally? Yeah. All right. Yeah. That, that's and, just and, Skype. You, and it's kind of like you're in the sky and right. But then coming back in, you know, it's like um, I think that's I think that's just bandwidth and and uh, you know uh, latency issues. There isn't anything that can be done about it. Yeah, I, that's kind of what I think too. I would just wanting to compare and see if that's how I was sounding there. So good. We're, we're even. We're both slightly underwater at times. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I realize is you're better at preparing. I'm good at being seated the pants. But that led me to think about, okay, uh, you'll mainly talk on this thing tonight, but maybe if I can get an idea of what you're going to talk about and check them out, I can, you know, go say something reasonably intelligible. Yeah. So I did. <laughs> so, yeah, and, yeah. And, and it's kind of interesting. Me and the cats reacted quite a bit. Yes. <laughs> it was, that's pretty, you know, as Johnny Carson used to say, weird, wild stuff.
first year then well the southland ensemble is uh you know has been a group uh in uh, in operation in los angeles four or five years anyway and uh they're mostly uh cal arts people they are a group that is basically a string quartet uh plus some percussion at times and and uh, saxophone uh but uh they have specialized in something that is i think very important for our our cultural landscape here. They, they've kind of dedicated themselves to uh, bringing uh, back and, and performing the, uh, the works of the late 20th century uh, experimental musicians. Um, to, to just run down some, some of what they've done that I've heard, uh, they did a concert on the music of Christian Wolff. Uh, they did another concert uh, on, on some pieces by Alvin Lucier. Uh, they did a concert which I couldn't get to, unfortunately, and I really wished I could have been there on the music of James Tenney. They've also done uh, probably their best performance uh, down at Disney Hall there in the uh, Red Cat uh, section uh, was the early music of Robert Ashley, and it was really very well done. So they tend to focus on, um, you know, the, what, what we would consider kind of the classic new music uh, composers and their important works. A lot of the groups here in Los Angeles uh, will mix that in with new works that are composed by members of the group or others, uh, and that works too. Uh, but the Southland Ensemble has uh, has, has kind of made it their mission to keep alive, uh, you know, some of the uh, seminal works of the late 20th century in new music, and and. And I think more directed towards the experimental type of music. All of the stuff that I've heard uh, has basically had some experimental component to it. Well, I watched, you know, before we connected tonight, three pieces. The most bizarre and kind of interesting, I think, was The Wolfman. Yeah. It, it's uh, from that the was, Disney that was Hall. An Ashley piece, right? Right. And then the the other one at the end of one video, uh, maybe it was the whole the whole same performance, but it was the the one that was just they're all standing isolated, uh, spot center spotlight on stage, and it's the 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 Esteban Gomez, uh, yeah, in memoriam yeah. piece, and that was really kind of wild, and it's like these isolated tones, and they're the thing that that I got just from having a clue who they are was just uh, a large amount of space in the music. Well, their musicianship is, is really of a very high caliber. Uh, you know, sometimes in the contemporary music, um, you're, you're more listening to, uh, you know, the, the newness of it. Uh, but, you know, the, the skill and uh, ensemble that it takes to pull that off uh, is, uh, is not to be underestimated. And, uh, they're all very excellent musicians. Uh, there's no question. You know, they have a real feel for this kind of music, uh, and they know how to, um, you know, bring it uh, to a performance and, and make it work. Uh, they've also done a concert by uh, music uh, from Pauline Oliveros. And, uh, boy, you know, I didn't know anything about uh, her when I went in to hear this, 
but I came away with a real good understanding of what she's trying to do in her music. You know, they have mm. that piece where they they uh, they each have like a, a rock about the size of your fist in their hand, and they they wrap it together, and and the instructions are that um, you're not supposed to do any kind of beat. You're supposed to make it as um, random as possible. And of course, there's like 15, uh, well, a dozen or 15 people walking around uh, with rocks, you know, banging on them. <laughs> and, you, and you listen to this and you say to yourself, well, that's a bunch of guys, you know, knocking rocks together. Yeah. And then as it proceeds, your brain starts to connect, you know, a certain pattern. Uh, oh, well, that was a rhythm. Or was it? Well, you know, it wasn't intentional. But it appeared out of the texture of all of these, you know, rocks being uh, banged together. You know, the piece works on, on two levels. One, it's guys banging rocks together. On the other, you know, there is some rhythm and, and, and a musical component to that. And your brain is constantly, you know, uh, being moved back and forth between those two perspectives. And it's it's really very interesting when, you know, when you when your brain is is trying to make sense of it and comes up with two different conclusions almost simultaneously as to what you're hearing so uh, i was very impressed about you know just that simple uh kind of thing and then they had the uh ability to bring that uh you know to a performance where uh, it could be heard before they begin is it conceptually are they communicating this kind of thing to the audience in the program or whatever, or somebody come out and say, well, okay, yeah, gonna... the, <laughs> well, last night was something called rainforest by a composer named David Tudor. And I didn't know anything about David Tudor, but now I, I look him up just as you did, just to kind of get a little background. Yeah. And he is, um, a contemporary of John Cage. And oh, in fact, okay. he, he worked with, uh, Merce Cunningham, uh, the dance company. And he was part of, uh, you know, Cage did the music for them, and he was part of an effort to do some electronic music as part of uh, their ensemble. So he worked very closely with John Cage, and the intention was was to try and get um, something electronic out of found pieces. So the sound installation consists of a bunch of racks, you know, like coat racks almost. Wow. Long pipes, you know, with, with, with some feet and stands, you know, and they're six, eight feet tall. And then hung from these things by wires or, or strings or various objects. You know, there might be a piece of sheet metal, uh, you know, a metal bowl, uh, maybe a plastic. Uh, they had a had a plastic uh, bicycle helmet. Uh, oh, really? And, uh, you know, some things with liquids in them. And uh, they had a, an unstrung violin hanging there. And, and all of these pieces then are fitted with transducers. Uh, and what they do is they put energy into the object. And this energy comes from um, recorded music. Uh, I think they were using a uh, an iPod shuffle or something. Hmm. And they were putting in different frequencies. And, of course, the you know, the, the piece that it gets energized by this reacts in some way. And so they have a pickup on it. And the pickup then picks up whatever, you know, the, the mechanical filtering is of this object and sends it out through a speaker. You know, you get kind of a strange sound to it, very kind of mechanical sound. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, uh, when it first started, everyone goes in and they're, you know, walking around looking at all these installations. There were probably five or six of them uh, and all the different objects there and trying to put their ear up against, you know, one of them to see what the sounds were. Um, they had a cello hanging 
from One Piece, and it sounded, you know, there was high squeaky sound coming out of it. Hmm. The violin had a much higher sound, but it was almost bell-like. Wow. And it was just bursts of, you know, kind of kind of random sound. Um, some of the other pieces didn't respond much at all. Uh, there was a big piece of sheet metal that, uh, you know, that uh, had a had a, a resonant frequency, and it, you know, it would pass some of the, the tones that it was fed. Um, and so you go around, um, you know, just listening to this, there were probably 25 or 30 people there, well, maybe more. Uh, and they're all, you know, we're all wandering around trying not to trip on the cables and whatnot and <laughs> listen to uh, each of these objects. So the first part consisted of, you know, of being able to move among the, the installation and try and uh, get some sense of what, you know, was coming out of each of these things and, and how it was reacting to what it was fed. But the concert then started. Everyone took their seats, the audience, uh, around the uh, installation. And the players came out with their violins and cellos and uh, a saxophone. Okay. And they would stand in different stations. And then, you know, it would pick up those sounds and then energize the devices that were in that installation. And then, you know, you'd get a kind of an echo of, uh, of that. And... Um, as, as this continued, the players would move around a little bit so that each one um, had a chance to, to be part of a separate installation. They would play, you know, um, identifiably musical tones, sometimes sustained tones, sometimes, you know, a little um, arpeggio or something. Um, it's hard to describe, but, the, you know, the sound installation would pick this up and they had a way of storing this and then playing it back. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, you'd hear that and then they would stop and then you'd hear this kind of ghostly echo of what it was that was just played. Hmm. And the title of this is Rainforest. And it occurred to me that, um, again, this is one of those things where your brain is doing all the work. You're just, you know, listening to it. You're, you're not really hearing music per se, mm -hmm. but you're hearing music plus this other stuff. And when we first walked in, you know, when there wasn't any uh, instruments being played, it, it sounded a little bit like, a, you know, a workshop full of small tools. There was buzzing, there was, you know, some rattling, some, some kind of mechanical sounds. Hmm. But when the music was played and, and entered into this uh, system, uh, it, it became a whole lot more organic. And this is when it started to more resemble a rainforest. You know, what, what was a kind of a... Um, buzzing sound that might have been uh, a saw or something uh, becomes, you know, a bunch of insects. Uh, and then, you know, the violin uh, did some pizzicato and, and that sounded like raindrops. <laughs> and, and then, you know, there was kind of a hiss and a, a background uh, uh, sound that was, you know, almost white noise behind it. And that sounded a little bit like some mist or something. So, you know, it once the music was was injected into this, the whole thing did take on, in in my hearing anyway, uh, you know, more of a um, a character of, of what it was titled, the you know rainforest. Yeah. And so you know that was um, that was interesting. It wasn't wasn't a good reproduction. Uh, it was it was kind of like a distant echo, and I can kind of compared it to what you hear. In, in those old wax cylinders, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a you, good... you can make out what's going on, but it isn't real high fidelity. And, of course, all of these found objects don't have any kind of, you know, high yeah. fidelity response. They're, you know, they're going to filter the, 
the whole the whole sound very heavily. Mm-hmm. When when that part was concluded, uh, a string quartet took their seats in the center of this, and this was Carolyn Chen's piece. Uh, it was a world premiere, and she wrote it uh, to be part of uh, you know the rainforest installation. So hmm. they had pickups on their instruments yeah. that would feed into computers and and the whole you know transducer uh, excitation system. And as they went through this, you know the the music was you know very um, sustained kinds of tones, uh, uh, some quick passages, but very quiet and gentle and you know sustained kind of music. Uh, and then they would stop after, you know, a bit, and then you'd hear it come back out of the sound installation that had been recorded and now injected into this. Now it's coming through the sheet metal and the, you know, the other pieces hanging around. Uh, and again, it had that kind of ghostly, um, feel to it. Uh, and, you know, it did, um, feel as though it was, you know, something coming out of a rainforest. You know, you had bird calls and <laughs> and all the rest of it. Uh, so uh, it was very impressive in the sense that, you know, the music actually caused, again, caused your mind to start thinking in terms of metaphors and not in terms of frequencies. And mm-hmm. and so, you know, you'd hear um, this, and, it, and it, it did resemble a rainforest once the music was introduced. Uh, I'm... I'm kind of reaching that conclusion. I hope it's uh, hope it's all true. <laughs> well, it, it, <laughs> I do my notes, but but it it was very it was kind of impressive in that way. It it, it made your brain start to, and this is Cage, isn't it? You know, yeah. silent noise. It's all music, but I'm beginning to think it's mostly you, your brain considers it music when it when it starts out hearing music, and then it makes the extrapolation to the other sounds and and treats them metaphorically as well, and that's very powerful. Well, there seems to be, in everything that I, and I mentioned that earlier, everything that I watched tonight before we got together, you know, it was clear that there was space in their music for something to happen. And and, and that seems like that's exactly what you're saying. You know, it's allowing the audience's mind to do something with that space. And that's, you know, that's pretty neat. Was, was Carolyn's composition like... Was it scored in a way that everything they were doing was coming from her ideas, or were, were they improvising off her score, or do you know? Well, I didn't have a close look at the score, but it ran to several pages. This was a fairly long piece. I, I would think it ran 40, 45 minutes. Oh, okay. And uh, it, it wasn't fast-moving. There weren't a lot of notes, but there were a lot of sustained tones and, you know, that kind of thing. It, it was kind of a somber, not melancholy, but solemn kind of music. Um, and they, you would at times use the pickups, uh, you know, on their instruments and, uh, you know, try to, uh, do some active recording. They all had little foot pedals where they could adjust the gain on these things. And it seemed like, uh, they were reading the score, um, pretty closely. Uh, Surely it had tones, you know, regular notated tones on it. Uh, but I'm sure there were also instructions about, you know, what, um, what kind of pickup and, and where to place it and so on. Hmm. But it was designed, uh, you know, to, to be part of the sound installation, which, which again, um, as, as you mentioned, silence is the key thing. You know, uh, Cage's 433 was just taking that to the 
yeah. logical extreme, but but the, the the periods of silence within this kind of music are important because this is when you know the other uh, sounds enter into your brain, and yet your brain is still thinking uh, musically in a way, and so it, it makes the extrapolation. And you know that's still being done effectively uh, today. The, one of the most powerful pieces I've heard in the last few years was Inixuit by uh, John Luther Adams, and it was done up in Ojai outside. Hmm. And at the very end, uh, you know, it's all kinds of drumming and, you know, pretty pretty dramatic for, for an hour. <laughs> but the last 10 minutes, uh, there's this part where they have um, the uh, flute players and piccolo players are in trees, and they're actually Whoa. standing up in these trees. And they play uh, a little bit of a passage, you know, like a bird call or something. Yeah. And then, and then off in the distance, uh, they have some very light symbols that reply to that. And then <laughs> silence. And after all this, it's just amazing. You can hear, you know, the outside noise uh, coming in. And it just feels like it's been connected to what you've heard for the last hour. It's really very powerful. And so I think this idea of, you know, putting silences in places um, in between the music, and then in this case, you know, um, feeding that back through uh, found objects, uh, that, that's a real, um, you know, real mind-expanding uh, kind of experience. Well, yeah, and it's also, it, you know, it's, it's given the audience something more for the money in a way. I mean, it's like, it, it's almost another level of, you know, you're not just calling them there to like sit down patiently and listen to something for 40 minutes you're giving them a you know a, a, a mental if not visual experience and i I, sure. I mean last night did you feel people were like hip to what was happening or were they being polite or were they being golly gee wow and you know what were well what could I, you, you know tell? the people who attend these concerts are almost always musicians and composers. Okay. And and so they have a pretty good understanding. Some of them may have even met this guy, you know, hmm. David Tudor at, at some point, uh, you know. And so they they are pretty much um, coming from, you know, uh, a new music uh, experience, a long new music experience, and, and, and probably from the experimental side. So there's plenty of uh, knowledge in, in the audience. I would say that everyone, you know, kind of understood what was going on, if not the actual details. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're right about um, the electronics uh, becoming part of the uh, performance art. This this concert was put on by an organization called People Inside Electronics, hmm. and I've gone to a number of their concerts, and it always involves uh, the intersection of acoustic musicians and, you know, processed or uh, digital or, or some sort of electronic uh, uh, component to that. It might be just a static piece played or a recording played along with the acoustics, or I've heard all kinds of things where they, they have, you know, microphones uh, in, inside the piano case and they're, they're taking the notes and processing them and then feeding them back through a speaker in real time. So, the, you know, the, the player is playing along with himself in some ways. Hmm. Um, I've seen uh, one performance where the um, pianist had a, an accelerometer uh, taped to his wrist. And so as his hands moved, 
it was sending signals to the computer it was processing wow. you know the sounds that were being picked up by the uh, microphone yeah now all of this is very experimental and um, you know it's all very interesting uh, but it does seem to add something you know by way of what your brain does with these sounds uh, and so um, you know it's it's becoming uh, more and more common most of the concerts I go to whether they're for people inside electronics or somebody else, even even a string quartet, they'll have, you know, some sort of electronic component that's that's you know an added dimension to their sound. Yeah, I had two kind of blurs that were as you were saying that because I, it, it's it's a little bit more than just having people patiently, you know, be there to be moved by this series of sounds, and you know. <laughs> On a light level, I want to say a stage show, but on another another level, kind of asking them to go down a different road, uh, which is kind of cool. I also was thinking about, for some reason, because we were talking about Cage, and you know, he was doing this, and I remember seeing the video clip of his appearance on "I've Got a Secret." Did you ever see that? Yeah, and in fact, I've I've seen that work done in performance live? as well. By wow! Yeah, yeah, and uh, of course, you know, it, it was kind of a put up. Uh, and they treated it pretty lightly on, yeah, the, they did. on the TV. Yeah. That's you know that's bad because poor poor Cage. You know he's trying to be serious and <laughs> all they can do is make fun of him basically. Uh, so you had to you had to calibrate that into watching it. But I've seen right. it done uh, live, and uh, you know you get the same. Well, all of these experiences now are starting to me to you know to start to form a pattern, and and that is is that you know when there's music. As part of a conglomeration of sounds, as as with water walk, you know that's when your brain starts to treat the other sounds uh, as if they're music, and 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 that's why you have to be open to it. I I don't know that people who are are normally accustomed to going to a classical concert, even a symphony or something, are going to respond to this because they're looking for the musical syntax and the language, and they're getting their information from from just that. You have to be willing to let your brain operate on all the sound that you hear, uh, and and that requires you know some patience and some uh, open-mindedness, uh, and and it's it's you know it's it's different from the usual way of listening to music. Sure. Um, yeah. And that's be a challenge.
This has been Words on New Music with Paul Muller and Jim Gooden. You've been listening to part one of Paul's commentary recounting performances he attended and reviewed of the Los Angeles experimental new music group, the Southland Ensemble. Music heard by the ensemble in this episode were first Robert Ashley's Wolfman, and secondly, at the end, Christian Wolf's Changing the System. In addition to Paul being co-host of Words on No Music, he also does concert reviews for Sequenza 21, the contemporary classical music community. Visit the website at www.sequenza21.com. A special note about today's show, it's published on Paul's birthday. Happy birthday, Paul. Wonderful wishes to you, my friend and fellow podcast host. Thanks for joining us for Words on New Music. This is show date, August 2016. Words on New Music is produced by Jim Gooden, Paul Muller, and J.C. Combs and supports the Sound In New Music community. Visit them at soundin.org on the web. Words on New Music, copyright 2016.